Let me thank the Reverend Stuart very much for the words of welcome. It is a privilege to be here tonight to share in this very special service. Thank you all for coming out. And boys and girls, it's lovely to see you. Now, I must confess, I will miss you this week. I had a real blessed week coming up each night, seeing your lovely smiling faces, hearing you singing, uh, listening to you take part, your enthusiasm, and I must say it was absolutely wonderful. And also, what I really appreciated, boys and girls, was each night as we opened God's Word, there was silence. It was amazing, it really was. So I want to say thank you from the very bottom of my heart. And I trust indeed that the Lord will speak to all of our hearts this evening as we consider the Word of God. Let me thank the church here in Balamina for the invitation to come, our brother Philip. I want to thank, I'm not going to name, uh, start singling people out, but I want to thank every single worker. And it was a blessing just to see all the workers coming together and just coming together and working together as one uh, for the good of the children to bring them the gospel. So thank you in the Savior's name. I'm going to turn in our Bibles for a very short reading to the Gospel of Mark and the chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. If you have a Bible, if you'd like to turn with me to the portion. Here we read from the verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we trust indeed that the Lord will bless the public reading of his precious word. The words there of John in the words of verse 7. There cometh one Mightier than I, after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Boys and girls, each night, as we've come to God's Word, we've just bowed very briefly in prayer. We'll do that afresh tonight and ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee tonight for Thy precious Word. We rejoice in the Scriptures of truth, the oracles of God, this more sure word of prophecy. Settle all of our hearts down. Speak to each and to every waiting soul. And, O oh God, it is our desire that much will be made of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen and amen. Boys and girls, I wonder if you can tell me what I might be speaking about whenever I say, what has eyes but cannot see? What has a tongue but cannot speak? If any, do any of you know? Shout it out, Bobby. 
No, it's not a car. What do you think it might be? Shoes. Well done, that girl. Yes, that's right, the shoe. As I was thinking about the shoe, it brought me to, the ta- to a time to remember the late W.P. Moore, who spoke about, our church, spoke about the shoe at our church in Lisburn. Now, it was a long time ago. It was over 30 years ago. For those who had, hadn't the privilege and blessing of knowing W.P. Moore, he was one of the members of Session and Martyrs. He was actually the clerk of Session. And can I say that W.P. Moore was a very godly man. And he came to our church in Lisburn. He basically held up a shoe, and for a while he spoke about the shoe, and he drew some great lessons from it. And as a young believer, I was really mesmerized by what he had to say. Can I say that I never forgot the message that he brought? He spoke, for instance, that the shoe has a tongue, and he spoke about some different lessons regarding the tongue in Scripture. Then he spoke about the eyes and how that the Bible has a lot to say about our sight and about vision and about our eyes. And then he spoke about the soul. Of course, a different spelling from the soul that man has, S-O-U-L. Wonderful lessons. Tonight it is my prayer that God will use this message likewise to speak to boys and girls and to mums and dads and to everyone regarding spiritual truths. This evening we want to consider some lessons from the shoe. Now I've brought just some objects with me to help me. And here's the first one, boys and girls, and it is a brand new shoe. The label's still on it and all. And there you have the brand. And when I think of the brand new shoe, it, it speaks to me about purpose. In other words, there's a reason why it was made, manufactured. And the purpose of the shoe is not just for dress and appearance, but specifically it is for walking. It was designed for walking. Now, just recently, boys and girls, my little grandson Samuel, he got his first pair of shoes. And they're tiny because, he, because he's only a year old. Uh, but the purpose of those little shoes is to help him be stable and they're to set him on his feet that he might walk. Now, whenever we turn to the book of Genesis, we read how that God created everything and God created everything out of nothing. Only God is able to do that. God only had to speak the word, and the mountains stood forth. And God, therefore, the great creator God, he made everything out of nothing. Now, whenever you look into a mirror, you see yourself. And whenever we think of that, Adam was created by God, and in a sense, he was a, an image, a reflection of the divine nature. We read in John chapter, or Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. The shoe speaks to us, the brand new shoe. Something new, it speaks to us about purpose. God created Adam with purpose. That purpose to know God 
to glorify God. The Shorter Catechism teaches what is the chief end of man. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now, boys and girls and young people, I remember the time whenever I was just a young teenager, that wasn't yesterday, and I began to think about all the great questions of life. Maybe you've been thinking about some of these questions. Why am I here? What's the purpose to life? When will the world end? Is there really a God? All the great questions of life. Now, here's the thing. I thought that I had all the answers worked out. After all, I thought, well, life's about what you make it. It's about enjoyment. And sadly and tragically, that's the way I live my life, without God. You see, the great questions of life, We can't answer these questions ourselves. We must turn to the Word of God for those answers. Only the Bible tells us the answer. Now, the devil doesn't want any one of us. You're not a Christian especially. You're not saved. The devil does not want you to think about the great purpose to life. He doesn't want you to think about why God created you. He doesn't want you to think about that. The brand new shoe reminds us of that. And then here we have another one, boys and girls. Oh, look at this one here. It's uh, had better days. It's an old shoe, an old boot. And you can, you can see that it's really been affected. It's in terrible, absolutely terrible condition. Now, in Genesis chapter 1 and the verse 31 we read, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God created, and he made everything perfect, very good. And yet we live in a world where there's death, disease, famine, wars, sickness. And some people would say, oh, there couldn't be a God, a God of love after all. Why would he allow these things to happen? God made everything perfect. We must understand that. We need to grasp that. But the Bible tells us about how sin entered into the world. See, boys and girls, we were thinking during the week, weren't we, of how God said to Adam, Adam, you can eat from every tree in the garden but one. Adam, you must not eat from the tree there right in the very midst of the garden of Eden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam, the day you eat from that tree, You're going to die. And the Bible tells us very plainly, very clearly, that Adam sinned. He rebelled against God. That Adam disobeyed the Lord, broke his commandment. The Bible tells us how sin entered into the world. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And of course, there the that shoe, that old shoe, it reminds us of the very fact that sin has results, a consequence. God is holy, man is sinful, and our sin separates us from God. We are sinners by birth, by nature, and by practice. A little child does not need to be taught to do wrong. Now, we wouldn't want to teach a child to do wrong doesn't need to be told to disobey parents and to do wrong things, sinful things. That's the nature of the child. That's human nature. That's our nature. I said that whenever 
God created Adam and he was there in the Garden of Eden that Adam was a reflection of the Lord. And God's Word is a mirror. I'm sure before you come out tonight, you had a look in the mirror and you've seen yourself. You see yourself as you really are. But can I say this evening, have a look into the mirror of God's Word. You see, whenever we look into the Bible and we look into the mirror of God's Word, we see ourselves as we really are, as God sees us. As sinners as those who have fallen short of God's glory. We have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Here's another shoe, boys and girls. Have it with me. And we were reading, weren't we, in the Gospel of Mark and the chapter 1, the words of verse 7, the words of John the Baptist, when he spoke that he was not worthy to stoop down and open the latchet of Christ's shoe and the, the shoe there upon the foot. Now, in Bible times, can I say that it was just basically a soul? And what would have happened, boys and girls, is that the soul would have been fastened by a lace, by a string. And whenever a man would come, for instance, back to the house, the very lowest servant would come, and there he would take that dirty shoe, and he would take the latchet off. And John there spoke of the fact that he was not able to bow down, as it were, and to even unloose that shoe. Why? Because he was before the perfect one. The perfect one. The brand new shoe speaks about purpose. The old shoe reminds us about position, that we're sinners. But this shoe reminds us about perfection, that Jesus Christ is holy. He is the blessed Son of God. He's the one that never sinned. He did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. He kept the law of God perfectly. During the week, we were thinking about how only the Lord Jesus Christ, only Christ, was the one qualified to die as a sinner's substitute. Only Christ. Because the sacrifice had to be perfect. And he lived a perfect life. And there he died and he paid the price for sin. Whenever we think about that, sure, it reminds us, doesn't it, as well, the time when Moses came to the burning bush. And there Moses was out in the wilderness in Midian. We read there, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. What a sight. The bush kept on burning and burning. It wasn't consumed. It didn't burn away. But the angel was there in the midst of the bush. Moses went over to, to see the sight, boys and girls. And we read there, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. He said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. The place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And there's a link there between in Exodus chapter 3 and the verse 2 and the verse 4. The angel there in the midst of the bush. And the Lord speaking to him from the midst of the bush. You see, this was no ordinary 
created angel. It was an appearance of the angel of the covenant. This was an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ himself. Christ appeared there to Moses and spoke to Moses. Draw not nigh hither. He was to remain there. He was to stop. Don't come any closer. Because God is holy. He was to remove his shoes. There was to be a sign of reverence. Great Bible commentator Matthew Henry said, Putting off the shoe was then what putting off the hat is now. A token of respect and submission. Moses not, was not to walk upon that ground with soiled shoes, with dirty shoes. We're to come before the Lord with holy reverence, with fear. But he was also to recognize that he was standing on holy ground. No men and women that you would and I would realize and recognize more than more that our God, he is holy, that he is of pure eyes to behold evil and canst not look upon iniquity. Do you realize tonight your position before God, before holy God, that you stand as a sinner in great need, in need of God's forgiveness? There's another Bible story that reminds us about the shoe, and it's the story of the prodigal son. Now, we're not going to tell the whole story this evening. I'm just going to mention it in passing. The story of the father in Luke 15 who had two sons. One of them going in and saying, Father, give me the portion of goods that's going to be mine. Father, divide to me the inheritance. I want to go out now. I want to live my life in the world. I want to enjoy myself. And the father divided unto his two sons his inheritance they're living. And the Bible tells us that how he went into the far country. He went far away. You see, man without God, he's gone into the far country. He's far away from the Lord. And the prodigal there began to realize a high price and cost of sin. That sin has consequences. That it has a high price. There he was sitting amongst the pigs, going to eat their food. And he remembered his father's house. That even there, there was bread enough and a spare. And there he was perishing with hunger. And so the Bible tells us how that the young son, how he turned around, he repented, how he went back to his father's house. And there he found that his father was watching and waiting for him all from a long distance. He thought, even if I was made a servant, but oh no, the father there, he received him as he confessed his sin. The young prodigal. And the shoes remind us about pardon. The father, you see, he called for the best robe to be put on his son. Speaks that we're in, when we're in Christ, we have a new standing before God. When you become a Christian, you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Oh, what joy it is to know the Lord. He had not only had a, a robe placed upon him, but he had a ring in his finger. That speaks of union. And then he had shoes on his feet. And it means that he now had a, a walk with his father and before his father. And if men and women will turn from their sin. Embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and call upon the name of the Lord and walk with the Lord. You'll find there's forgiveness and pardon. 
Boys and girls, as we move on, here's another issue, and I was speaking about this quite a bit during the week. And of course, it is the running shoe. We were thinking about, weren't we, running the race. Based on the opening verses from Hebrews chapter 12, and then we looked at the great heroes of faith from Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 12, we're told, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. We're to run with patience. And so the running shoe, it speaks to us about patience, about keeping going, about persevering, about walking with God and living for the Lord. And we thought during the week of how the day there's many lessons from the physical realm, the physical race, but oh, what great spiritual lessons. You see, whenever someone gets saved and turns from sin and embraces Christ and is born again of the Spirit of God, they enter a very important race. They commence, they start the Christian race. And the Christian life, therefore, is likened to, it's compared to a race. Now, it has a start, but of course, it also has a completion. Whenever the child of God, finishes their course and goes home to be with the Lord. And we thought about great men and women of faith who ran their race before the Lord. One thing that we sought to emphasize, and we want to emphasize is this. Those great Bible characters, Moses, Noah, Sarah, Enoch, Abel, they all, by faith, embraced Christ. They looked forward to Christ coming into the world and living and dying as a Savior, paying the price for sin. By faith, they looked forward in time. Now, we look back to the cross, but there's only one way, one way to know God, by faith in Jesus Christ. Boys and girls, Mums and dads, whenever you get saved, you become a Christian, praise the Lord, you're in the Lord's army. And you become what the Bible calls a, a soldier. The Bible likens a Christian to, for instance, a student studying the Word of God, growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so much more to knowing God. A Christian is, all compared, is also compared or likened to a runner, an athlete, but also a soldier. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Know the blessing of living for the Lord, of following Him, being a soldier of the cross, and walking in the ways and the paths of righteousness. Have another shoe here, boys and girls, and this is a very thin shoe. Just a very thin soul. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 5, we read, And I have led you forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxen old upon you, and thy shoe is not waxen upon thy foot. This speaks about God's provision. You see, the Lord miraculously met the need of his people. 
from the time that they left Egypt until they reached the promised land. Their clothes, they didn't wear out, neither did their shoes. Miraculously, the Lord provided, for instance, the manna, that little bread that came down from heaven on six days a week. Now, Abraham never tasted the manna. He had never experienced it. And the thought is, God done something new. And God is able to do something new in our Christian lives by His grace. The Lord not only fed them with the manna, which is, of course, a picture of Christ. He's the bread of life. He fed them with quail, the meat. He gave them the water from the rock, which, of course, is a picture of Christ as well. He's a fountain of living water. But in Exodus chapter 12, we read about the Passover. We read, And thus shall ye eat of it with your loins girded, the robe was tucked up into their belt, your shoes and your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. That was the tenth plague. That night the firstborn, the angel of death, was going to pass through the land of Egypt, killing on the firstborn, where there wasn't the mark of the blood, where the blood wasn't applied. Well, that very night, whenever the blood of the lamb was taken and applied, they were to, the children of Israel, they were to put the shoes on their feet. And that very night that they put their shoes on their feet, for 40 years, the Lord would miraculously keep those shoes, those garments in a good condition. Now, not all passed into the promised land. It was those who were 20 years and younger, but some did like Caleb and Joshua. And the thought is that the ever-faithful God provides for the needs of His people. The Passover, trusting by faith in the blood, points us to Christ, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So when you get saved and you're trusting in the blood of the Lamb, right until the promised land, right until glory, the Lord provides for your need. How does God meet our need. He meets our needs through His Son, through Christ. Can I say to each and to everyone, all that we need is Jesus Christ. All we need is Christ. Then, moving along, we have here, and we're nearly at the end, we have the climbing shoe. And of course, the, the climbing shoe. Here you see boys and girls underneath. It's got special grips, especially for very dangerous conditions and, and for the snow and, and various terrain. And, and it's all about making sure that you have your, your feeding and you're standing sure that you don't slip. In Psalm 18 we read, He maketh my feet like hinds' feet, setteth me upon my high places. David wrote that after the Lord had delivered him from King Saul. And they speak about God's presence. That even in those times of difficulty, times of trial, times when we're almost slipping, that the Lord is with us. He's able to meet our need. It's not an easy road. We are traveling to glory. Praise the Lord. We have one who travels with us. But just in closing, I have one last shoe, boys and girls, and here it is. It's the bride's shoe. The marriage shoe. Worn by a woman 
whenever a man and a woman are joined together in marriage. Marriage, of course, is a wonderful picture of the union between the Lord, the bridegroom, and his people, the bride, the church of the Lord Jesus. Great events require great preparation. And when it comes to a wedding, you and I know that there's a lot of preparation that goes into the wedding day. Of course, the greatest preparation, the greatest preparation any man, woman, boy or girl can make is being ready to meet God. Preparation to meet the Lord. Have you made that preparation? Boys and girls, on a wedding day, it's the bride who gets, I was going to say, a lot of the attention, probably all of the attention. And everyone likes to look at the bride's wedding dress and to to look at what she's wearing and how she's walking. You know, I've even heard people commenting upon bride's shoes. I remember one time, the color of the laces in the shoes. The very finest details. Oh, everyone is thinking about the bride. They're taken up with the bride. However, whenever we consider the great marriage supper of the Lamb, it will not be the church, the Lord's people, the bride, who will be receiving the attention. It's the bridegroom. It's the Lord himself. He's the one who is to receive all of the attention. He's the one that we're attracted to. Why? Because he's the fairest of 10,000 to our soul. He's the lily of the valley. He's the altogether lovely one. Samuel Rutherford wrote a, a beautiful hymn, The Sands of Time Are Sinking. Sands of Time, and the last verse reads, The bride eyes not her garment, her wedding dress, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my King of grace. Not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. The Lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. You see, when you're a Christian, you're taken up with Christ. Paul said, for to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. It's Christ. He's everything to the child of God. Do you know him? Are you saved? Are you prepared to meet him? By faith, are you trusting in him? Remember, Many years ago, a dear man in our congregation, he, uh, he said, and he's prayed it many times, you put your shoes on in the morning and you never know who'll take them off at night. By that I mean, it could be the undertaker. We need to be prepared, but we need to be prepared now. How can you prepare? Only one way. By faith. Jesus Christ alone. What a saviour he is. Every Christian here could stand up and testify. He's the fairest of 10,000 to their soul. He's the altogether lovely one. He's a God who meets our needs. Through his Son, through Christ. May God bless his word to your heart if you're 
challenged about your own personal need, to be saved. Speak to us after the service. For it's Christ you need. He alone can save you. Let's just bow together in time. I want to say a sincere word of thanks to all the boys and girls, young people. Thank you so much. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for your attention. How well you've listened and behaved. It really is special. Thank you. Let's just bow together in prayer. Can we say to all the visitors, there is supper provided. We'd like you to stay behind. Heavenly Father, we want to thank thee tonight for the word of God that from Genesis to Revelation brings us to behold Christ. Lord, we owe to thee absolutely everything. We want to thank thee tonight for saving grace and keeping power. Lord, speak on to hearts. We pray for all these young boys and girls and children that early in life they will come to trust Christ as Savior, be born again, that they will become a Christian and start that greatest race. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll take us all to our homes in safety. Bless those that remain. Bless the good food to our bodies. Receive our thanks for it and those that prepared it. We pray, Lord, that we will eat and drink to thy glory. And we pray the strength that we will gain for those of us who are saved, that we will use it to serve thee, to further the gospel. Bless us. Continue to speak on to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.